some good stories we've reflected on. Amen? And uh, each time we've been talking about the fact that uh, uh, Jesus came to bring good news, all the stories we read in the scriptures um, really are a story leading up, one big story leading up to our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Amen? Do you know that's the mystery of the church? The Bible says the mystery of the church is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ is working in us, and he's the one leading us to that moment of glory when he comes to receive us unto himself for eternal li- in eternal life. So uh, this morning, um, and they say that reading uh, a lot of scripture can be death to a, to a sermon. Um, I think it depends on the situation. And because of our series being stories that change the world, I could not do this story justice uh, without reading the entire story. And it's a great one. Uh, this morning we're going to be talking about uh, finding freedom and uh, in stories that change the world. And so we're going to look in Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 20. And this is the story of the Gadarean demoniac. So let's begin here, verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of uh, the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. I've often said to young people who who struggle with cutting themselves, even in this generation where I've seen that, it's not a new thing. Oftentimes we think it's something new. It's really not. The prophets of Baal cut themselves. And this Gadarean demoniac, he cut himself. I believe that is, it is a spirit. Uh, the, the depression and all the oppression that comes causes a person uh, to do those kind of things. When, Jesus, uh, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want, me, want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the, on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into to a lake and, where they were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. (laughs) You think they'd have been afraid of him when he wasn't in his right mind, right? Uh, But they're afraid of him because he's in his right mind. They've known him this way. And Jesus has come, and now he's completely different. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. 
as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in all the uh, Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Now look up here. I want you to say this with me. That is good news. That's good news. Think about this guy, man. Think about his family, right? Huh? What news that was for his family that he's out of his mind. He has completely lost it. And all of a sudden, he's coming home and in his right mind and able to be with his family and his children. And, and of course, for the town, they've seen and witnessed Jesus performing a miracle among them of casting out a demon. Now, here, here again, is, is the big idea of today. You know, and there in your notes, your big idea, if you will, is that uh, God has called us to find freedom. Amen? He's called us to find freedom. And we're fortunate to live in a country where, you know, freedom is celebrated. Would you agree with me on that? I mean, think of our founding fathers and the way our country was founded. The, the, if you think of the independence, um, uh, that... All men are crea- created equal, right? Endowed by who? Their creator with certain unalienable rights. In other words, that no other man should have control of another person's life, but it's that we are under God, right? And we have freedom in God. Isn't that right? Do you think our founders got it right? I think our founders got it right. When you think of liberty, the liberty that we all desire and we may celebrate here in America, uh, that's a physical liberty in many ways. And we're able to come in here and, and exercise our, our emotional and mental liberties along with our spiritual liberties because we have such a physical right, freedom around us. We, we can read the Bible without persecution. And the interesting thing is, is that there's nothing quite like a relationship with Jesus, though. Why? Because the freedom of Christ... Is, is not limited by, you know, the boundaries of men. You could be in a communist country, many are, and they actually find the freedom and liberty that is in Christ. Did you know that? Now, don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm signing on for, you know, to be a communist country. No way. Not in a million years. I love our liberties. I love our freedom. But my point is, is that the freedom of Christ is not bound by the borders of men. It's not bound by the constraints of men. Isn't that right? I'm happy and I'm, I'm blessed that our founding fathers understood what, what the liberty of God was. And it's our creator that gives us those rights and that no man should stand in the way of any other man's freedom, spirit, soul, and body. Can you say amen? I, I want all of that and I would want it for anybody in the world. But know that the liberty that is found in Christ, that a person can be free in their mind, they can be free in their emotions to assert their will and be free and alive spiritually even if they're living in a situation uh, physically that's that's not free amen so again that big idea so stories that change the world this story without question changed that man's life remember the whole area the region right they were begging him the people of the region were begging him to leave while they're they're witnessing good news they were witnessing a man finding freedom right and, and here's what I would say to you. 
if the Gadarean demoniac was not a problem to the people in the region, why were they trying to bind him with chains? You hear me? You see that? Is it, why are they trying to bind him with chains? Because he's running around like a lunatic. He's running around crazy. The Bible says he was naked, right? He's running all over the place naked. Now, I don't know about you as a parent, if I'm out, you know, going up to pick, you know, of course for them it was at the marketplace, and you're strolling down with your kids to pick up some groceries, and a man just comes streaking by all crazy and screaming and naked. And would you be like, somebody lock him up. Come on now, right? They were doing the same stuff. They were dealing with the same stuff. And so uh, freedom was brought to the Gadarean demoniac, but it also was a freedom provided for the whole region. Still yet, um, uh, their, uh, you know, their economy, a lot of it was based on those pigs that just drowned in the, uh, in the lake. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, you know, in, in, in the law, uh, swine were an unclean animal and, you know, here they are raising swine and, and all of that kind of stuff. Can't get into all the details of that today, but the point is, is that as you look at where, what Jesus does with the unclean spirits, where did the unclean spirits want to go? They wanted to go into an unclean animal. You getting it? And so he allows them to go into an unclean animal, and what do they do? They uh, all take off and, and rush over the uh, cliff, and, and basically the pigs kill themselves. Uh, so somebody lost a lot of money that day, too. Amen. So if we think about finding freedom, the first thing we have to do is we have to kind of identify the problem. Would you agree with that? What's the problem? Why is it that we, we struggle to have freedom in our life? I can't tell you what all went on for the Gadarean demoniac, but I know for there to be a legion of demons in that man's life. You all understand a legion is, we're, we're getting into thousands on that one, right? Uh, uh, the Bible says that you cast out a demon and... And, and basically, your, your house, your, this body is a temple and meant to house the Spirit of God, not demonic spirits. Amen? Anybody, anybody ever felt like they've contended with demons? You know, you ever heard the phrase, you know, you need to kill your demons? You better kill your demons or they'll kill you. Come on, talk to me this morning. You ever heard that before? You ever thought that about your own life before? You know, if I don't kill these demons, right, if I don't, if I don't deal with my demons... They're, they're going to deal with me. In other words, uh, there's bondage there. There's, there's a feeling of, I, I don't have control of my own life. I don't have freedom. You feel like you're a slave to certain things at times in your life. And you can't find that freedom. But I want you to know that, that God wants you to be free. And to do that, you've got to kind of identify the problem. Where does that come from? So, giving you again, the Gadarean demoniac's got over, he's got a legion of demons in him, thousand. The Bible says that if you cast out a demon, it leaves and goes over dry places, uh, meaning that, that demonic spirits want a host. Can you understand? Those demonic spirits didn't want to be cast out and just out in the middle of no, you know, nowhere. They wanted to have a, a host. And so it, le- it bid us to go into the swine, and Jesus did, right? But the Bible also says that when, when that spirit comes out of a man, that what happens is that that it returns. In other words, the devil, he'll kind of, he'll come around on your life every once in a while and he'll come and look in and like, is there a way in? You getting me? He finds it swept and clean in that spirit. And this is what the Bible says. Um, that'd be another whole sermon on, on deliverance. But the Bible says that that spirit then goes and he takes and brings uh, 
seven others with him, and the state of that man is worse than before. How many times does that have to happen to get to a thousand? To have a legion of demons operating in your life. You hearing me here, saints? We wonder why you can look around the world and see certain people that, man, that person seems so evil. There's a lot of demonic influence going on there. Am I freaking you out this morning? You can give me an amen if I'm freaking you out. It's like, what the heck is pastor talking about demons? Like, you do understand that this isn't like a game. There really is forces of darkness and forces of light. There's angels and demons at work in a world that we cannot see. And oftentimes we might feel a certain way and we don't know why we even feel that way. We might deal with depression. We might deal uh, Those things, while they can be clinical, uh, can also be demonic, that the devil's trying to push you down and beat you down. Amen? You know, the, the, the children of Israel, or the Jews, if you will, um, they did not believe a man could be sick physically or mentally unless he was sick spiritually. Pretty interesting, huh? That, that in other words, t- to be whole, and that's why Christ came, right? He came to make us whole. Sometimes we get healed from things, but, but then we find ourselves, or delivered from things, we find that freedom, but what happens is, is the, the enemy's coming back and he's searching, he's looking for that chance, he's looking for that opportunity to tempt you and cause you to mess up again so that he can, he can make your state worse than it was before, seven times worse than it was before. Y'all with me right now on this? Okay. So that means we have to be on guard, and, and one of the keys to being on guard is we have to identify... We, we need to recognize freedom is lost through rebellion. That freedom is lost through rebellion. In original freedom, mankind was created in the Garden of Eden. And they, you know, God, everything was good, and mankind had it good. And what was it that caused him to lose his first state? It was rebellion. What was it that caused the, the, the devil, Lucifer, the angel Lucifer, what was it caused him the Bible says that he fell from his first state. He was created to worship. One third of the angels were created to worship, to create worship. And, and he rebelled against God and that rebellion caused him to lose his first state with God. And now he is here and all he does is, is try to mess up our first state. And of course that was the, his first accomplishment in the Garden of Eden was to mess up mankind's first state you know that God created everything and it was good and and mankind was meant to live forever in in that state but because man rebelled against God swallowed the lie from the devil who is the father of lies what happens is is he falls from that state and Adam right he subjects all mankind to a state of sin to a life of sin Jesus is known as the second Adam. So the first Adam, right, um, he commits that, that sin, original sin, and what he does is he causes all of us to be born into sin, so he puts us in bondage or slavery. And the second Adam, Jesus, comes and dies on a cross to destroy sin, right? And he gives us the place to find freedom. So we have to see that rebellion is the reason why we don't have freedom. So if rebellion is the reason why we don't have freedom, let me, let me write this down next to uh, the Garden of Eden. Is that up there? Yeah. Write this down next to that. Write down looking for another way to begin. You know, so looking for another way. In other words, I'm looking for another way 
In the Garden of Eden, when that moment happened, uh, Adam and Eve were looking for another way, and that's when it all began. And now the rest of us, what happens is we're looking for that freedom. We're looking for peace in life. We're looking for, you know, we're looking for prosperity. I mean, I've done this many times because if I talk about finances or possessions or whatever, it's like, is he going to take an offering? No, but you need to know the dangers of those things and having dependence on them because what happens is, is they be, become idols in our life, right? We look, we, we're looking, raise your hand if you're looking for poverty. See what I'm saying? And raise your hand if you're looking for prosperity. And some of you are like, I, you know, is it about prosperity? It's, well, it's certainly, Jesus, what, what's the Bible say? Huh? I, I would that you prosper even as your soul prospers. That's why it's important to renew our mind, right? It's important for us to uh, take control of our emotions and submit what we feel to what God word, God's word declares over our life so that we, we actually assert our will to go God's way, not our own way. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've gone our own way. And when we go our own way, that's when we tend to lose freedom. When Adam and Eve went their own way, they lost their freedom, subjected all mankind to that. Children of Israel, they would follow God, and then they'd turn away from God. See, they'd worship God, and they would honor God, and their life would be blessed and prosperous. That didn't mean that they didn't have troubles they had to work through. It just means that they had the grace, and they had the blessing of God, the favor of God, carrying them through all those situations. Isn't that right? Even when they're coming out of... Out of, out of slavery in Egypt, they went into slavery because of disobedience, because of rebellion. And when they, their hearts begin to cry out to God and they begin to turn back to God and call on God to rescue, to, to give them freedom, what happens is, is they, 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 they turn their hearts to God and they're calling out to him and he sends Moses as a deliverer, a type of Christ, a forerunner, a type and shadow of what was to come in Christ. And Moses goes, and, and we all know if you've ever had kids and you, you've watched, you know, uh, the Prince of Egypt. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And Moses walks in there with his staff. Let my people go, right? That's what Jesus came and he did when he died on the cross. It was a de- declaration to let God's people go, amen? And so that, that, that moment in the Garden of Eden where freedom is given up because of rebellion leads to looking for a way back to process, looking for a way back to peace, looking for a way back to freedom. And, and, and on that road, when, when we're searching, right, in our search, we find a lot of different things that satisfy us from time to time. Come on now. Huh? And that's where the challenge of idolatry comes in. Because for a little bit, right, for a little bit, money will make you happy. Anybody ever had sorrows because of money? Right? The Bible says that, that um, the blessing of God makes you rich. Say that with me. The blessing of God makes me rich and adds no sorrow. There's a difference between being rich and living in sorrow in those riches and being blessed by God and rich and having no sorrow in the midst of that. Amen? So, here we go, idol worship, idol worship, what does it look like? It means looking for anything but God to get us back to freedom. Looking for anything but God to get us back to freedom. It won't come. 
Like I say, it's temporary. Matter of fact, the Bible says that sin is fun for a season. Anybody ever had fun sinning? Y'all looking at me all self-righteous. Have you ever had fun sinning? Let's do that again. Have you ever had fun sinning? Anybody ever party in their day and have a whole lot of fun? And then at the end of the night, you're worshiping the wrong God. The porcelain one that you're swearing to. God, get me out of this and I'll never do it again. You know, right? You're having that conversation with, you know, with porcelain. And really what you're doing is in your, in your mind and heart, it's like that, that idol, right, the fun, that stuff got me here and I'm bowed before this throne. Come on, we can laugh in the church, can't we? I have bowed before this throne. And it's a stinky one, man. Come on. Just trying to have a little fun. Bound before that stinky throne, you start, your heart actually starts to cry out to the one true God. You don't know maybe who he is or what he looks like or how he works necessarily, but you know one thing, get me out of this and I'll never do it again, right? <laughs> Let that just settle in a little bit. I want to I read you some words here, uh, and, and, and in this, this is um, in the words of the late Billy Graham. How many of you ever heard of Billy Graham? So this is in his words, and what it's going to do is it, it'll kind of carry us right through that scripture you have, uh, 1 Samuel 12, 21, which is in your, in your notes there. But I'm going to read it in its entirety, because when I read this, that passage was right there, and it so grabs a hold of exactly what we deal with where it comes to idolatry. Today, we may not worship the same idols people did in ancient times, idols of wood or stone or gold representing pagan deities, because they are only made by human hands. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 12, 21, they can do you no good, nor can they rescue you, because they are useless. They're useless. Listen to what he goes on to say. But anything, anything can become an idol to us. That is something we put in the place of God. Some people, for example, make material success in pursuit of money their goal in life. And they worship them with just as much devotion as someone might an idol made of stone. Others make beauty or prestige their goal. And these become idols because they put them first in their lives. Still... Others pursue entertainment or sexual thrills or drugs, and these become their idols. But every one of these will disappoint us because, like idols made of stone or wood or gold, they have no power to meet our deepest need. We need forgiveness, but they can't take away our guilt. We need hope for the future, but they have nothing to offer us. Most of all, we need God but they will lead us away from him if we pursue trust in them. I want to ask you this. Have you allowed an idol to creep into your life? Is there any idols in your life? Be honest and face it, and then turn from it. Be honest and face it. If there's something in your life that you know is more important to you than God is, be honest, face it, and turn from it. Then by faith, say by faith. By faith, give yourself to Jesus Christ, for he alone is worthy 
of our worship in life. Only he can fill those uh, voids, those places in our life. You know, again, those other things might satisfy a little bit of our life, but they'll never fill that craving that we have that, again, our founding fathers somehow captured it, right? That these inalienable rights have been given to us by our creator and no one else and nothing else, I might add. Nothing else can give you true freedom and peace at the center of your being except for God. All those things might buy it for a season. They might cloud, you know, those areas of need for a while, but they will never satisfy you at the core of your being because you are created in the image of God, your heavenly Father. Amen. So, um, let me say this. So, deal with the problem. (laughs) So, deal with the problem. And to deal with the problem, I have to deal with my own rebellion. I've got to deal with my own rebellion. I'm going to give you three areas that you need to inspect. Maybe today you're not for sure if you have idols, but I'll give you these three areas to inspect. Are you ready? Right? You ready? Man, you guys, I'll preach better to you if you talk back a little bit. You know, I know you're raised. Don't you talk back to me. But uh, you can talk back in here. If what I'm saying is, is ringing your bell, throw an amen out there. <clears throat> so identify the idols and throw them down. One, identify the idols in your time. Do you have time for God? This year, I started the year off and I said, it's so, so important. If you can find 15, say find 15. If you can just find 15 minutes each and every morning, or I'll just say every day. Some of you are night owls. Whenever it is, it doesn't matter. But if you'll find 15, just find 15, five minutes for worship, five minutes for the word, five minutes for prayer, right? Word, worship, prayer, five each. And I promise you, each and every day you do that, your relationship with God is going to grow. You can take once a week and spend an hour. It won't do the same for you that 15 minutes every single day will do for you. So uh, is your time being polluted with idols? Your talent, your skills, the things that, you know, you're good at, educated at. Are you using them for the kingdom? Hey, use them for all those other things it's got to be used for. But are you using them somehow to serve the kingdom of God? Are you using them to serve others who need to be led to Christ? Are you helping people take one more step in their life to get closer to God? If you're not, I challenge you to find the idols and throw them down where your talent's concerned. See, uh, all too often what we can see people do when they're talented at something you ever watched uh, a basketball player, a movie star? They get so wrapped up in themselves that, that when you encounter them, it is full of pride. There's no humility in them. And then for all their talent, what happens is their talents become their idol. Why? Because they're unrelatable to society. They're unrelatable to mankind. They're unrelatable to the, to the needs and, 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 and the, the hurts of others, if you will. So make sure you keep the idols in check in the area of your talent. And then finally, in that area, your treasure. Make sure that, you know, I've, I've met people who, you know, they make more and more, and it's like, you know, so, so let's see, I'm, I gotta build a bigger garage so that I can buy the next two, three cars that I want, and you know. So there are uh, idols made of, of metal still. Did you know that? <laughs> you know, 
It's not about that. You can own things, but if that's what your pursuit is in life, the thing is you're not going to take it with you and it's all going to rust away anyway. That's what the Bible says. Store up treasures in heaven, right? Where moth and rust do not, and, and thieves don't break in to steal. Moth and rust do not destroy and thieves don't break in to steal. Here on earth, moth and rust will destroy and thieves will break in and steal. The point of that is, is that make sure that that your sustenance and, and, and what you need to survive and what you feel like you want to store up is not your only focus with your treasure. Make sure the kingdom of God is a focus with your treasure. You know, Make sure that you're thinking about, if I run across somebody in need, am, am, am I storing up a little bit so that I could actually help somebody if they had a need? You know, Am I supporting the furtherance of the gospel? Am I supporting my local church? Am I supporting... Uh, missions works? Am I, am I giving into the things that, that cause the gospel to be shared around the world? Or is it just all about, you know, me and mine, right? Me and mine. Haggai the prophet said something to that. Is it the time for you to dwell in your own paneled homes? And basically in, in that, that, that you take care of all of that and the house of God lie in ruins. He confronted the people and this is what he went on to say. He said, uh, you, you bring home, right, to put into bags that has holes. That no matter how much you get, you go and get more and more and more, and when you bring it home, it's going into bags with holes. It's like, man, no matter how hard I work, no matter how much I get, it's like it just keeps pouring out the other end, and it's gone, right? And the Bible's saying where you honor God, watch how quick your bags get plugged. Watch how God takes care of you from the standpoint of living life by principle, you know, and under that area, you know, where freedom is concerned, has anybody ever, ever heard of Dave Ramsey? You ever heard of what he calls his, his uh, course? Financial freedom. <laughs> and, uh, too many Americans are bound, you know, in debt, and which brings despair. <laughs> and if you live by the principles of God, you'll find a whole lot of freedom, and you'll be able to throw down the idols in the area of your treasure. When we've recognized the idols... It's up to us to come to Jesus for deliverance. It's up to us to come to Jesus for deliverance. And when we encounter truth, right? When we encounter truth in the midst of each area of our life, it's up to us when we recognize the truth to come to Jesus so he can set us free. The Gadarene demoniacs there, um, dude, I don't know what it was like for him. I can't get into his mind on being chained up by people. Being naked, cutting yourself. I can't imagine the despair. All I know is when Jesus landed his feet on, uh, on that island, what happens is, is that uh, he goes and throws himself. At, I don't believe it was the demons chasing Jesus down. I don't think the demons were like, oh, Jesus, let's go over to Jesus, right? When they get there, they start complaining. Like, have you come to torment us before our time? I believe something in him, like I say, that void nothing's going to satisfy that void. Nothing's going to satisfy that emptiness. Nothing's going to set us free like getting to Jesus. I believe that, that, that what was, whatever was left in him as a man that those demons didn't have control of, that he got himself to Jesus. You remember the woman with the issue of blood. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, she got herself to She'd gone to the doctor, spent everything she had, went to everybody, tried everything. And when it's at that final moment, and if I can just go touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. And she was. And I believe whatever was left in that man, 
went and threw himself at the feet of Jesus. And then the demons start talking out. Why? Because they're where they really don't want to be, standing before the Son of God. Have you come to torment us before our time? All I know is that man walked away free. Amen? So I have a choice to find freedom. I have a choice to find freedom. My desire will lead me where I want to be. My desire will lead me to where I want to be. So that means i got to guard my desires. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. I have a choice to find freedom, and my desire will lead me where I want to be. God created human beings, not robots. We don't have to accept freedom. He offers us through Jesus Christ. He gives each person the free will to accept or reject his salvation. But the Bible warns that hell is a real place where people will end up if they knowingly reject the truth. Keep that in mind. Likewise, those who choose Christ are not forced to obey him at every turn. So we've chosen Christ. It's not like, you know, we just, man, I I chose Jesus, I got saved, so now all of a sudden I don't have any control of my decisions anymore. No, I got plenty of control over my decisions and I still need to choose to find freedom by coming to Jesus, right? So, uh, the best life is one of the ones that are devoted to honoring Christ. As the Apostle Paul explained to some of the first Christians in 1 Corinthians 6.12, listen to this. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Let me read that again. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. We should not be enslaved to anything. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Listen to Galatians 5.13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. In love. Can you say amen to that? Number two here. When I choose freedom, I find Jesus. When I choose freedom, I find Jesus. If my desire is to honor Jesus, I will find freedom. When I choose freedom, I find Jesus. If my desire is to honor Jesus, I will find freedom. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. When Jesus began his short period of ministry on the earth, He announced that he was the one God's people have been waiting for since the fall of humanity. He did this by reading a particular passage from the book of Isaiah. A passage his listeners knew was referring to the Messiah. So everybody within the sound of his voice knew the passage he was about to read was about the Messiah. Find my spot there. Or the Savior of the world. The words had been written hundreds of years earlier and spoke of a new freedom that was coming in the future. When Jesus stood up to read, he was saying the future had arrived. Liberty would come through him. Listen, so let me give you this first. John 8, 36 says, so if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Now let me read this with that in mind. Luke 4, 17 through 21. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it. He found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight 
for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. <laughs> Don't you love that part? I do. Certain places I, I read stuff like this in the scripture. And, and I know that like he's not physically in front of me. But it's like my eyes fastened to those scripture. My heart, think about it. Their eyes fastened because it resonated at what I'm talking about. That void. They're all hoping for the Messiah. And in this moment... That prophecy that's hundreds of years old is being read in their presence by the Messiah and their eyes are fixed on them. Their eyes are fixed on him because their heart is resonating within them that Jesus is the Messiah. Listen to this, what Jesus says then. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I wanna say this to you. If it was fulfilled for them, and you gotta understand, this is the Jews. This is in the synagogue. But he didn't just come for the Jews. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have ever. He came for the Jews and the Gentiles. Can you say amen? When he read that scripture and said, this is fulfilled in your sight, let me say this. Every time that that scripture is read thereafter, it's being fulfilled in our sight. Jesus came so that we could have freedom. And I, I just challenge you. Whatever area of your life you may feel like you don't have freedom, you're dealing with depression, you're despair, you know, poverty, all those things. I'm not telling you magic wand, it's all gone. I'm telling you that if you get yourself to Jesus, deal with any place there might be rebellion or idolatry going on in your life. Here's what I do know. If you spend time with Jesus, everything in your situation might not change, but your perspective certainly will. It certainly will, amen. Let me finish up with this, some final thoughts. From cover to cover, God's word points to freedom in Christ. And God doesn't leave us wondering how to grab hold of the freedom he offers. And it starts with acknowledging our choice. Listen, our choice in the midst of brokenness, there might be some brokenness in you, some loss, right, some challenges and admitting that we are slaves to sin. Every one of us struggle with doubt and unbelief. And it ends with choosing Jesus and following him daily. Only he can break the bonds of slavery and lead us to true freedom now and forevermore, amen? So choose Jesus today and find out what true freedom feels like. Would you stand with me? I wanna pray with you this morning. As I put this together and, and I, I prayed through things, I really felt just so important today, right where you're at. Um, you know, many people may not, you know, married or unmarried, people may not know what you're battling with internally. They may not know the things that, that you find a little more important than God in your life, and they may not know the things that, that are devastating and distracting to you in life. But what I do know is that if you'll take a moment here and now, in context of what we've talked about, if you'll take a moment right here and now, through prayer, if we'll reach out to God in faith and ask Him to work in that area of your life. The Bible says that if, if, if uh, we're, we're to agree in touching anything in this earth, 
it shall be done. Can you say amen to that? So when I pray with you, that's kind of where I want to be. I want to pray with you. I want you to identify what that is in your life. I want to believe God for miracles in your life that you're going to start to see breakthrough in your life in those areas. And here's the deal. When you start to see that breakthrough, you can't keep it to yourself. Why? Because when you start to see that breakthrough, you got to do exactly what the Gadarean demoniac did. You got to go and tell people why. Because it's a story that will change the world you live in. That's what this series has all been about. Whatever God has done in your life, it's a story that's meant to change someone else's life. Can you say amen? So I'm going to ask you to do this. Hands lifted to heaven. Eyes closed. I do that because you're not focused on the physical. <laughs> but you kind of get into your heart right here. What is it that's holding you back? What keeps you from getting to that place in your relationship with God? What's the idol? What's the distraction? We're going to throw them down right here and right now. Identify it. Heavenly Father, I ask you in Jesus' name that as each and every one of us identify those things, we know you know us better. And God, I pray by your Holy Spirit right now you'd speak to every single person that's still small voice speaking to them. This is that one thing right now that stands between you and I. And God, that you would give them by the power of the Holy Spirit the ability to overcome that. Jesus, you said to he who overcomes, will you give to set at your table and banquet in heaven? He who overcomes, it's, it's that, that great call to the body of Christ. So Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name, you would anoint your people. Father, give them the power to overcome those areas in their life, that they would find the freedom that Lord, you said you came to give them. By faith, we reach out to you, Father, and we say, I want you to repeat this with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your freedom. I thank you I don't earn it. I just have to receive it. So, Lord, right now, I thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. That I could have the free gift of salvation, not just for eternal life, but for this life, to live in freedom in area, every area of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's sing this chorus as we go and seal whatever that was for you. Whatever you lifted up to God, I want you to seal that. Again, as God begins to move in your life, make this promise to me. Come tell us that story. We want to capture that story because it's a testimony that will touch other lives. Amen? Let's sing this as we go.